0: Hello, you're listening to Film Grays. I'm Emmett. I'm Sam. We're from the rock and roll band, Phil Graves. This is our podcast about cinema.
1: We've got a really, really good episode for you today, listeners. Yep, we're going to be talking about Safty Brothers. We're going to be talking Uncut Gems, Good Time. Yeah, pretty much all of them. Let's get into it, mate. Let's get it. All right.
0: So after a couple of failed attempts to see Uncut Gems in the cinema on Sunday, due to them being sold out, and we finally got to see it.
1: Well, I'd seen it before, actually. Twice. You finally got to see it. Front row. Yeah, cuts on Mayfair. It was a good screening experience. And yeah, as you said, we spent a lot of the day trying to coordinate and find our way to sold out screenings nice. across London.
0: It's very in demand. It's very sensational. I know a lot of cinema chains don't put Netflix films on because of the window or whatever. Mm. But it was on at quite a few places. But it's, I don't know, you've been on Twitter. It's the only thing anyone's talking about apart from... Oscar stuff whether it's like oh it didn't get nominated for an Oscar or like it's funny Mm. how he says this is how I win or whatever you know for A24 doing their thing
1: yeah I mean it's a madly hyped film and as you said you saw it last year and uh, it's been really hard not (laughs) not having seen it like still Parasite and The Lighthouse I you know I want to see these shits in the cinema, like, I guess we can watch them, but I want it to be a cinematic experience, you know, and we really got that on the weekend. For sure. Were you disappointed? No, in no way was I disappointed, man. And yeah, I was, as the day progressed, I was, like, anxious that we wouldn't get to see it. I said it was like being in a Safety Brothers film. Yeah. yeah, like, there was a lot of, like, dashing around, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the film, from beginning to end, is just mind-blowing and you are plummeted into like an extremely compelling story which is told in like a mad way visually the script like everything the performances everything about it is just like i
0: guess we should describe the plot for a little bit howie howard ratner Mm. at howie bling on instagram (laughs) He's, i guess he's like a generation xer right you know Mm. he's a bit old it's the film set in 2012 probably Mm. my favorite thing about the film he plays a, a jeweler a compulsive gambler a terrible father and he gets this sort of mystical black opal shipped to him in a fish (laughs) and causes everyone around its life to sort of spiral kevin garnett turns up he borrows the gem because it will endow him with super basketball powers adam sandler is in debt to eric bogosian plays his brother-in-law and he's got these two heavies coming around like there's loads of people in the film who are trying to get money off him even just like characters that have like two lines of dialogue they just turn up on the street and they're like Howard where's my money or whatever so it's just one of many debts but
1: yeah (sighs) And it's like two days, three days, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, man. It's it's all very like, come back tomorrow. I'll have it for you then. And they maintain this like energy throughout it. Even when there's like a Passover meal at one point. My favorite scene. I guess because the tension of like the debt like carries over into that as well. But even when there's like a change of content, they maintain like this. Right crazy propulsive energy i love how they allied all the traveling
0: like him and lakeith sandfield's character like going over to philadelphia to see kevin garnett at practice and they
1: leave the diamond district and then the next second
0: they're just like parking in philadelphia
1: Mm. yeah it's like the opposite of once upon a time in hollywood (laughs) yeah i mean should we talk about the performances for a little bit because like adam sandler in this film is like obviously sensational (laughs) It, it is like staggering that it didn't get nominated for an oscar because it is like landmark performance both for him and for like beyond that Mm. film culture is great yeah i guess like the film that started most in i I don't really want to dwell on this but is punch drunk love as his most lauded dramatic performance (laughs) but you know this is like very different the manic energy (laughs) in it is just insane like it's such a counterpoint to like the downbeat performance in that one for sure he's like always on right yeah either anxious or just, like, compulsive
0: or whatever. But, I mean, you're hearing his voice, like, throughout the film, either on a phone or, like, he just, and he just comes out with classic shit all the time. I feel really hilarious lines of dialogue. We should mention Ronald Bronstein, who worked on the script and the editing. He'll come up again and again.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, what a great performance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He interacts with so many people throughout His family life, the scenes of him and his kids, him and his wife, him and his girlfriend, him and, like his creditors or whatever, him yeah. and um And he's just going around, you know. It's an Adam Sandler role, you know, he does mm. the voice. I mm. <laughs> to see him uh, go back to doing his voices, like he talk like, oh no, my diamonds are all uncut, oh no.
0: You should mention like, I'm not a huge fan of Adam Sandler mm. and the voice is probably his more sort of, the worst thing of his legacy, because I associate their voice with, like, kids on the playground, like, mm. like ableist yeah. humour or whatever. Definitely. And he's kind of responsible for that. I'm sure people were doing stupid voices before that, but he's now codified it in a way. And I find it pretty annoying. We watched The Cobbler the other day. Very gentle, boring, nice, calm film. I like Rain Over Me, because it's got the, the Who on the soundtrack. It's, What's that one? It's another serious one where he plays this dude who, like, lost his family in 9-11, so he just... Uh, plays *Shadow of the Colossus* with Don Cheadle all day. People don't really like that film. I think it's mm. alright, but yeah, it, it's it fits both very neatly in the Sandler canon and the Safdie's canon, which is great because they both have massive Netflix deals. So mm. this is a match made in heaven for everyone
1: involved, really. Yeah, I guess like we'll dwell more on like the unifying features of like the Safdie brothers' filmmaking as we explore their other films. Yeah. but I mean the cinematographer in this film is. Darius Conjury, yeah. Who's like a, I guess like a big like Hollywood guy, you know, like a prestige cinematographer. He did The Lost City of Z,
0: which is some of my favourite modern cinematography. And he's had an amazing career. Let's do more performances though, Mm. maybe before we get (laughs) into... It is centred around Adam Sandler, but it's got an amazing ensemble cast. Mm. The wickedly talented Adele disease <laughs> You've got Lakeith Stanfield and you've got Kevin, yeah, Kevin, Kevin Garnett. Garnett. Fucking phenomenal performance, you know. So serious, so captivated by the gem. Yeah. And it's it's based on like, real basketball games, you know, you're seeing him yeah. play actual basketball. And I think they wrote the script around the beats of both those basketball games that are portrayed in the film. But yeah, I think the way they sort of set it very much in the real world and using people like Kevin Garnett, Trinidad James, The Weeknd, as you say. Cash out. Love it absolutely love it
1: yeah i mean it just is a very like lived in world that Mm. they're representing Mm. and even though adam sanders characters are like so larger than life i guess it's like sort of a new york thing maybe right (laughs) right yeah for
0: sure yeah i watched um talk radio with eric bogosian recently which has a similarly like annoying loquacious character at the center of it he's just like talking throughout people hate that guy in the film you know Mm. like he just pisses everyone off i guess Edina menzel does say you are the most annoying person i've ever met in my life to him which is fantastic
1: yeah but it's sort of like a i don't know i guess people are sort of tolerant of him even though he's outrageous maybe yeah even his son's his daughter mm. well, his daughter doesn't really like him very
0: like irishman but yeah it's true he fucks up and people you know in family i guess is different
1: but he have got people who work for him his relationship with um his like girlfriend yeah 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 is mad she's a newcomer julia fox mm. and thought it was a great performance to be honest Definitely, did man, so much like, with a
0: role that could so easily have been, like, very one-dimensional, I feel. Maybe not in a Sappy Brothers film, but...
1: Yeah, I feel like she is quite, like, instrumental to the plot as well as just being, like... If they wanted to illustrate the fact that, like, you know, he was a bit of, like, a dickhead or whatever, like, having, like, a piece on the side, there are so many different ways of doing that. And this is, like... I guess what I was saying about, like, making his character, like, redeemable or, like, sympathetic like, other characters within it, whilst he's still, like, doing outrageous things like placing all his money on bets, you know, and, like, putting up things that are lent him for collateral. People are still meant to be drawn to him as well. Like, she gets his name tattooed on her ass. Lakeith Stanfield. Maybe we can just go back to him real quick. He's great. Demani. I guess quite like an ominous figure in, in the film. Yeah, whenever he turns up, something bad's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He has just like such like a cool demeanor in it as well. He's I guess that's favorite. pretty standard. Yeah, like... cool. Joe's favourite line was when, because um, he's selling his like fake Rolexes
0: out of his shop or mm, whatever. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, I don't want you to sell these fake, you can't sell these fake Rollies in, in my shop. And then he's like throwing them out or whatever. He's like, come on, man. Those boxes are really <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <It's>
0: classic. <laughs> It is unrelenting in its pace and structure in a really compelling way, I think, because even when it slows down and the loss third of the film there's not much traveling for sandler i mean there is a lot of traveling Mm. for julia fox's character it's the same with good time you know where they sort of slow down the pace Mm. they don't slow down the pace but like they condense it a little bit more Mm. and you don't realize how much time has gone by and because stuff is still just happening
1: definitely i think the way they use space as well like complements this a lot of it is shot in the shop which is like obviously really small Mm. but they still through the editing and the camera work make it seem like a really like dynamic lived in space you know like it's not like yeah the back is is so different to the front, and like you got the door that little mm. like vestibule
0: bit, so essential mm. to mm. the plot.
1: What's the name of the guy that did the music?
0: One o Tricks Point mm. Never.
1: I guess it's quite a similar vibe to the music, and good in all of them. I feel like they have this like pulsating electronic y.
0: It's funny because they used this altimeter for heaven
1: knows, what.
0: heaven knows what, yeah, very classic. So, I mean, the album was big in the 70s, I think. Mm.
1: like the so. De- electronic Debussy, or yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 that has quite a similar effect. Mm or recontextualized into that story. Mm. But this, I think they must have been writing to the, the shots or whatever. Because yeah. It's so deliberate, like all the different things. Even the most ridiculous, like the plot of the film has like cheesy, stupid elements or whatever, like this mystical gem.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's sort of a MacGuffin really, isn't it? Like, it
0: is, Like but it actually, yeah, I guess it is a classic MacGuffin, but it also has this other, it's like the briefcase in pop Fiction or something like
1: that. Oh yeah, like a hidden, like spiritual power right. or whatever right. yeah that's the only that's the only explanation for like some of the
0: decisions made in the film i think yeah. <laughs> like that though the score
1: has all these stupid elements mm. or whatever you know yeah i guess it's like melodramatic but it's not like sweeping violins it's like <laughs> i can just like ramping it up like the whole time it's so
0: intense i was gonna say which score did you prefer the uncut Gems score or the atlantic score and I feel like Al Qadiri is quite a similar, or quite a comparable figure to One Point Never. Someone who's, I can never get through one of his albums, but does good film scores, I think.
1: Mm. I don't know enough about the sub of electronic music to properly describe these different soundtracks, but they're both like just like dark electronic stuff. They're like, God, when I think about the Atlantics one, it's so, so powerful. I guess that's the, the main point, really, isn't it? The way that like these electronic sounds can like modulate, like. Mm human life or whatever or like human experience for sure i guess with atlantic they have more sort of like disturbances on the soundtrack from the real world but
0: then it becomes so overwhelming and anxiety inducing when that scene when kevin garnett's looking at the orb and the music's just getting louder and louder as he's getting more and more drawn into it and then like you hear all the characters just chatting away and then like how it's like don't lean on the glass kg and then just
1: (laughs) yeah for like the third time or whatever yeah yeah Um, There are just some fantastic shots um as well, like both at the beginning and the end, mm. um, where the camp, I guess, relating to that point of like the property of the rock or whatever, or like the, you know, like ancient mysteries within things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, David Jenkins uh, compared it to The Exorcist. Oh man, I was literally thinking that the way it starts, like yeah, in yeah. the desert and then it's just like a... Yeah. So it takes pl- the
0: first shot. For such New York filmmakers, this was one of the craziest things about it for me. It's like first shot, it's like, Ethiopia.
1: Yeah, <laughs> with, like, the Chinese mine operators yeah. or whatever. Yeah, And yeah, then yeah. just,
0: like... You don't know what they're saying, and then a guy comes up, his leg has just fallen off because it would been blown off or whatever in a mining incident. The Safdies talked about relating these things, and one, I mean, I've listened to, like, every fucking interview mm. they've done because it's just a twenty-four machine had been like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. wow, I do want to listen to them talking to Pinkerton or Paul Thomas Anderson or whatever. They're everywhere.
1: Mm. They made
0: a great film, they should be. They said, like, oh your life like hangs in the balance of these moments whether like your leg could get blown off in a mine or whatever or if that gem can lose you a million dollars like on the other side of the world or whatever. But that is a really good prologue I think. And then
1: standard like deployment of the opening credits like 15 minutes into the film for mm. the Safety brothers. Mm. But the way that happens as well like is like it goes like into the gem and then, I mean this is out just of his a ass. genius shot yeah, out of his ass, turns into a colonoscopy like um, screen or whatever. Mm. Mm. it's actually mad I don't know
0: why they did it but I don't need to know I just think it's fucking cool you know and then the last shot I'm not going to spoil it but similar sort of beyondness yeah Yeah. into the beyond yeah Yeah. into Um. the Alara pictures logo (laughs) what did
1: it remind you of besides the exorcist <laughs> well, good time, man. I feel yeah. like they. <laughs> there's obviously like a really impressive continuity to their aesthetic mm. from like their earliest work, which is thematically quite different, mm. all the way to Uncut Gems. Yeah, primarily good time, I guess, because they're both genre picks with like a mad energy which comes through for the editing and the camera work, which I know as a different cinematographer, Sean Price Williams did. Heaven knows what, good time.
0: Did he do Daddy Longlegs? A great, great cinematographer.
1: I think he did Frownland, but I don't think he did Daddy Longlegs. Mm.
0: This was a big departure for not using him.
1: Yeah, but I think they retained their sort of signature.
0: I mean, yeah, Darius Gondji said he was working for them and they developed the storyboards yeah. and yeah. then gave it to him away. But I think it does, it is a slight change. The camera work in Uncut Gems does sort of take it to a bit to the next level in terms of being a bit deliberate. I love the way sean price williams shoots stuff we just watched the jay-z video yeah. they did for marcy me that was their first project the Safties and darius congee together yeah, yeah that was the first time they worked together which is half of which is shot from a helicopter yeah and the only light is half my street light is just this massive beam illuminating characters on the street around the marcy project really great music video
1: yeah they're just such good visual storytellers man like uh, and again like the energy was the main thing
0: yeah. they do work so well whenever they have the camera following someone and it's always so noticeable like when the camera starts following julia fox in um uncut gems yeah or when the camera follows that little boy into the bodega in the jay-z video or whatever it's so deliberate Mm. and they always keep the right distance Mm.
1: it's just great yeah i guess like in so many other ones we're going to be talking about where there's more of a sense of sort of In fact, I feel like it is definitely present in this one as well. The sense of like guerrilla filmmaking and like working from the streets. And like a lot of it is shot from a long way away through like crowds (laughs) where like walking in and out of the camera line.
0: That's probably my favorite trick or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, I said it reminded me of Breathless when we were watching Heaven Knows What, but yeah, the way that they often shoot from like it's just, just that verité shit, man. Like, Fifty yards away, hundred yards away, just like the far zoom. And yeah, I guess they are really influenced by cinema verité, direct cinema, that kind of stuff. But applying it to telling the sort of stories they tell is just a brilliant, brilliant thing, you know. Yeah. And the way both indoor and outdoor.
1: Mm. Mm. And yeah, to restate it, Adam Sandler's character is like moving around like for pretty much the whole the whole film. He's like, trying him. to get to. He's always got somewhere else to be. <laughs> like yeah. yeah, someone else to you know placate. Yeah. Try to placate. The character actors are so good, or
0: they're not even character actors. They're just like character people, you know. Yep. You got like Guy Wayne Diamond, who's in the end of the film, the the very tanned man, mm. the heavy, the crucial
1: sort of guy. Yeah. Oh god, it's just with the crazy voice. Terrifying performance, yeah. And like,
0: and he was a security guard for like
1: years and years. Right? Really, and he's yeah. never acted before. Yeah, that's crazy. But like, I mean, he doesn't really have many lines. But like, his presence is felt. Like again, again, it's to do with like yeah, the use of space and the way they operate the camera as well. Like, there's one shot where I think Adam Sandler's in a shop or something, and then um, it just like zooms like out the window, like across the road, and then they're there just like talking to each other, like looking angry and like you can't hear what they're saying and it's just like this whole yeah 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 so intense and then as the film goes on this tension you know does not diminish (laughs) certainly not (laughs) yeah uncut gems huge winner Mm,
0: Yeah, great great film Um, not disappointing yeah i'm really glad we saw it in cinema and it's going to be on netflix like
1: Maybe by the time you hear this,
0: no, we're gonna do this one quick. We're gonna edit it real, real fast, man. Come it's coming <laughs> out. It's coming out by Monday. Happy Monday, yeah. listeners. Great. I'm glad everyone I know is seeing it mm. because for an actual proper film, like it's not don't fuck with cats or whatever. It's not like, like some. This is an actual film that's like captured the imagination of a lot of people, and that's great mm. because it is fantastic despite being really challenging. You know. Yeah, I mean, tonally. Cassavetes, this doesn't happen, you know, like, it's super challenging. And you're with, I think the thing with the Safdies, all their films, is you're following around someone who's, like, broken the social contract in, like, a crazy way. (laughs) And is, like, a fuck-up, if not a failure, Mm. but just, like, totally borderline. Like, they could, someone could come up and kill them, or their whole shit could just get fucked up, like, any second. And that ha- that's with every character yeah, Robert Pattinson in a good time, Adam Sala in this film Eleanor right, Hendricks yeah, in yeah. the pleasure of being robbed, you know, they are anti-heroes in the truest sense right? Mm. Just like
1: subjects man, rather than protagonists or uh-huh.
0: no but you, do, you anti- love them, you know, there is a huge identification. Yeah with- but
1: are anti-heroes protagonists? I guess they sort of are the protagonist is literally just like
0: There's a film called The Joker that came out last year that is uh, <laughs> uh, interrogates this question very well. You should watch it, man, it's good. Um So yeah, we're gonna I'm looking forward to talking about their other their like stellar filmography for everything they've done. Yeah. And Uncut Gems feels like a bit of an encapsulation, but also feels like just the start of another phase.
1: Yeah, definitely. Do you know
0: what they're They were supposed to be making a remake of forty eight hours, but they had to shelve that, I think. Right. Um, I'm sure they got their scripts, you know, like Uncut Gems they were working on for 10 years, as you say. Jonah Hill was going to be the guy when Adam Sarno said no. Jonah Hill? Yeah. Wow. And then Probably they thought about getting
1: Harvey Keitel and making it like a bit of an older character. Mm. But then... Adam Sarno was literally the perfect. <sighs> it's amazing. Perfect casting. I'm so glad it panned out. Because, yeah, as you say, he said no, didn't he? Yeah. And then, what, like... He, after it, after he that, was
0: yeah. a can. If you've listened to any podcast, you've heard this story, but I'm fucking telling it. He was at Cannes with the Meyerowitz stories the same time they were on it, doing good time. Yeah, I know. Sam just did a great face there. <laughs> Bad film. And then he saw it and he's like, oh yeah, I want to make a film with you guys. And his I mean, script is just fantastic, you know? Yeah. If I was given, the, I'm not an actor, if I was given the script, I'd be like, hell yeah, I want to be in that. Yeah.
1: You know? And just the way, like, I guess there are so many scenes where, like, so much is going on like dialogue wise in this tiny little jewelry shop like there will be like five people having conversation like yeah. talking over each other and stuff and it's just crazy man god and yeah just on the subject of the script when we talk about our other films like we're gonna you know talk about Ronnie yeah talk about Ronnie yeah I can't wait to get into it man yeah 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 Ooh. love to watch cause good. love to watch Laf-D's, like a good boy should. Safties for me, Safties for you. Let's watch Safties in my big brown shoe.
0: You're still listening to Film Grays. Uncut Gems is one of the best films out right now, but the Safty brothers over the last 13 years have had a really interesting filmography. Mm. They're real OTARs and we're going to have a look at all of their narrative features now. And just talk about why they're sick. They're all worth watching. Definitely. Their yeah. de- their debut film is on Mubi currently. Yeah, as or well. Or Josh's the... debut film or something. Shit, yeah. I'm Mubi sure. are doing a lot of uh, first films.
1: Yeah, so we watched like The White Shake as part of that as well actually, which is something we'll yeah. be talking about when we do our Fellini episode, which is a secret. From people you might
0: associate with uh, unrelentingly grim, stressful films. <laughs> their first film is a very pleasant viewing experience.
1: Yeah, it's a sort of little ditty of a film, isn't right. it?
0: <laughs> right, What's it called, Sam?
1: It's called, yeah, The Pleasure of Being Robbed. Great title. And it basically just follows a kleptomaniac, played by, um, is it Eleanor Hendrick? Yes. Who's, um, in a few of their other films, um, she turns up in Daddy Longlegs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And she's in Heaven nice One very have... briefly as well. Yeah. Um and yeah, it just follows out it's an extremely light, trivial film, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um but you know, its levity is very charming and I guess I sort of have an aversion to like banal, like mumble corey shit. I don't I don't it know. Like to, it's isn't... not like that interest. Thing potentially, but I, I don't know. I, they bring their unique sensibility <clears throat> to it, even at this early stage. You know, shot on film. Um, it has a really interesting production history, actually, which you told told me about. This is jokes. It's uh started its life as a Kate Spade
0: advert, and they put out a pitch one time saying, like, "Oh, we want to make a film with our handbags as characters." The Safdie Brothers' pitch, which I guess was this film. Was the most successful mm. and so they produced it and helped start uh, a fantastic filmmaking career yeah. <laughs> yeah, so thank you and rest in peace kate spade mm. and every fashion designer who no i'm joking i hate that shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> so the bags are like obviously in in the film but like if you didn't know this you would you know you, you wouldn't know like <laughs> Um, it's that in the first scene, she steals someone's handbag like while talking to her on the street like and you know. Oh, I love it! Unrealistically brazen, name. <laughs> like oh yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, it's such like a wonderful performance actually. Yeah. Where yeah. you know the success of the film is, I guess, dependent on the extent to which you like sort of buy into following the character around, um, especially because it's such like a low key film with without, like, the energy of, like, Uncut Gems. That is
0: the case with all of their films, though, like, yeah. I think. Yeah. You make a decision about five minutes in whether mm. you're going to, like... Well, this is a lovely film.
1: Yeah, I mean, extremely inconsequential. Um, Whimsical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The settings are great. It's all around Chinatown, Canal mm. Street. Yeah, like all of their work, yeah. like, New York is a character or whatever, um, yeah.
0: and... Especially at this stage, it must have been fun and difficult to try and shoot unofficially on the streets. Of mm. New York or whatever. Because, I mean, it's clearly just it's not extras in this film, you know, it's real people Mm. doing real things.
1: Yeah. With like a very limited cast as well of like recurring, like first time actors, maybe I really, I really don't know. Like there are a few people like her, like table tennis coach, like is in daddy long legs, for example. And like, in like these are just like bit parts, but like, I feel like there are like, there's one point where her neighbor, like the old is like an old man. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he like comes out and like in daddy long legs as well. Like, it might be the same guy like it's all they all have this like sort of in university feel even though sort of Kramer character. Yeah, you know, um,
0: it's not plot driven. No, It's not a narrative film, really. You're following her around. Well, it ends in the way that a film about a kleptomaniac you would expect <laughs> to end, I guess. Um, the other great film, about a kleptomaniac, uh, which they clearly fucking love. Yeah. Bresson's pickpocket. Mm-hmm. Um, They shoot some of these scenes in exactly the same way. Not the actual robberies, which are usually shot from, like, really far away. But when she's opening the bags, it's just, like, hands. And, yeah, I guess it's about the editing with that kind of stuff, you know. Um, But it is a really Brysonian film, but it doesn't have any of the miserable sort of existential angst of that. It's just a nice film.
1: Yeah, for sure. Even, yeah, (laughs) that's such a good point. Because, obviously, Pickpocket is, like, quite a... Even though that is quite... light feeling it does have like moral questions in it which like aren't part of, pic- uh, of um, the pleasure of being uh, absolutely yeah. rubbed at all like oh yeah the morality <laughs> is like nothing like, not... you hope she gets into that car you hope the key works <laughs> yeah. Um this uh, film has a performance from um, Josh Afty yeah the man hasn't aged at all by the way no really straight yeah really straight <laughs> yeah
0: but very likeable in this film Nice, like fleeting encounter. Yeah. And then he's like, "Oh, you want to drive me home?" And he lives in Boston. And then he can't get rid of a fly. This is just this is the the bones of the film. You know, this is what plays. Yeah. It's
1: Honestly, like, I I guess it's sort of like a mood piece, really. Like that yeah. is like its main like function, because the, there's no plot to speak of, really. Yeah. Like.
0: I like it in one of them when she's just like, "Oh, I wasn't robbing the bag. I just wanted to look in it, or whatever." That's always the thing. <laughs> yeah. She opens one of the bags and it's just like a Chinese newspaper and like some hand cream So she's mm-hmm. like, oh, she's going to use the hand cream and like, da, da, da.
1: There's a great, um, like sort of fantasy scene at the end as well Um, uh, in the zoo The only and time I've, I've never that... been
0: I haven't been petrified by seeing a polar bear on screen I mean, it's obviously a very bait Man in a polar bear costume <laughs> yeah. Well, they still managed to thank the polar bear in the closing credits Which I thought was nice.
1: <laughs> Maybe it reminded me of, uh, in Fandis as well nice like yeah. um but in fact there was another one that i guess just the zoo and like the yeah. palette of the film as well and like
0: yeah. vive savi i guess in terms of how episodic it is um but then again that's a far more existential film um i really like the moment when she's just sitting in her flat and one of her neighbors is trying to play the godfather theme tune on a cornet, but like keeps on fucking it up and it's just like an unbroken shot of her just like listening
1: great i guess that yeah a lot of, that's just what the <laughs> whole film is really her just like being there like not even doing yeah. it like i didn't check yeah. the runtime once no i mean and uh, i think it's like 80 minutes like it's not a long film yeah flew
0: by thanks to the editing skills of benny safty mm. this is mm. before they linked up with the god ronald bronstein the third Safti, if mm. you will but um from the very start, you know, there's elements there, filmmaking, uh, the gorilla shooting, shooting from the other side of the street, following around this kind of character, waiting for them to get arrested, and the the rhythmic editing, you know, in conversations and in, like, scenes where stuff is going on.
1: Yeah. Um, should we talk about Daddy Long Legs now? Let's do it. Um. The where... second most pleasant film in the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... Oh, man, I really love this one. Mm. Go uh, pick some rosemary. Go get some rosemary. Go get some rosemary. Yeah, so it has two names, this film. Yeah. Um, it's a, sort of Edge of Tomorrow or... What, what live, the live f- die, repeat. <laughs> yeah. Um, or Zootopia Zootropolis. My, my yeah. Um, oh, okay, so basically, I guess it's sort of like a semi-autobiographical... Yeah. drama like it's about like a single father and i think um he's a projectionist, he's a projectionist and um with two sons with his estranged uh, wife and like it's set during like the short period of the year like where he's like the two got weeks got them yeah, yeah, yeah. Got and um yeah it's just a character study both, um, <clears throat> both
0: this both daddy Long Legs and uncut gems are saying they're like making about like people from their real life or whatever if not their actual dad but like new york people that like
1: they knew and made a big impression on them growing up or whatever. for sure i mean i guess that's something that um in a different like uh heaven knows what is similar in that yeah. it's just influenced by an encounter with like a someone in new york yeah, it's yeah, like,
0: yeah. i mean that's like, that's mad we'll a, whole, a whole
1: other thing yeah okay so daddy long legs um or go get some rosemary. These are your search terms. <laughs> um, Ronald Bronstein, Ronnie Bronstein. Mm. Um, I don't think he'd acted before in a feature. No, but he made Frowned Land before this. Yeah. Um, and yeah. very
0: important film to all this. Um, you should watch it. It's on Criterion Channel. It's a Mumblecore film. Again, this film actually has like an awful protagonist, I think. but. Mm.
1: Um, like I, tr- I tried to find, find Frown Landon. Yeah. It's more like Bukowski or something like that, I guess. So he plays uh, the father and it's just, as I said, it's just a character study. Like he's obviously a sort of troubled <laughs> character, yeah, you cool. know, like he's like struggling to like keep it, keep it together, like fulfill his work commitments Favorite. and like look after his kids. Yeah. Um, but there's just so much like pathos and like he's such a sympathetic character as well like and a lot of that's through from the mo- well the moment he
0: picks up <coughs> his kids from school and he's like handstand walking down the street yeah. which eleanor Hendricks also does in pleasure of being robbed pleasure? Oh, i don't yeah. remember that <laughs> that's cool cool trope yeah oh, i'm sad that sandler didn't do a handstand <laughs> um, it's a, like the love is the love thing is like completely there you know he has mm. like Good time with his kids. Mm. It's fun, you know. Yeah. Even though, objectively, what is objectivity anyway? Maybe this is what this film is trying to ask. Um, maybe that's what all their films are trying to ask.
1: Yeah, it's know. meant to be a bit of a shit. Like, like the headmaster of par- uh, his kid's school is like, you need to do some parenting, and like, his ex is like, obviously, thinks he's a prick, yeah, right, yeah. and like. <sighs> And hey,
0: who are we to say this is a great man who gave his kids half a or an eighth of a sleeping
1: pill? Oh my god, yeah. I mean that's like this film is very light in general mm. but the soundtrack is very different to the sort of oscillating electronica of Good Time Heaven Knows What, Uncut Gems which for me is like really integral to the mood but mm. um, still that is probably the most harrowing scene in any <laughs> in any of the Uh, Safdie Brothers films that I've seen when like this like loving father thinks he's like accidentally killed his children like it's really it's a mad scene but in general like I laughed so much watching this one way more than any of the other ones like Mm. it's just like a lovely film (laughs) it really (laughs) is it really really is
0: Bronstein subsequently worked on all their scripts yeah And editing. Mm. Did he write? Did he help write this one as well? Yeah.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think.
0: Character he plays is so. There's so much grace or whatever, you know. There's so Mm. much like. I mean, in that Criterion video, Mm. Josh Safdie says, "Bicycle Thieves is the best film ever made." That's all about a father, a father who's like, he's just got his kid. He doesn't have like, he has fuck all else. He doesn't even Mm. have a bicycle. He can't even work because he doesn't have a bicycle, basically he's just going around the town with his kid and it's clearly like in the same way that pickpocket is a massive influence on that it's like they're like remaking these like totally classic films in new york for like forty thousand dollars
1: yeah like. bringing their own clear sensibility as well which as you said comes through through the editing and i mean uh there's always like a very clear sense of like tactility from the cameras like visual as well like often like it's really grainy and they're like pushing the limits of the, this medium and it just works so like so I don't know Daddy Longlegs as well I guess like the it has like that sense of nostalgia maybe and like that like home video videoish quality that they get like through the use of film as well like mm. I don't know obviously that works in so many different ways but in this context like it just brings like a warmth rather than like a sense of like scattiness or something which is maybe in uncut gems what you get sometimes
0: i think it's all about like them as filmmakers it's like oh you've got to make something happen in the film how are you going to make that happen and then it's like oh how are the characters going to make that happen Mm. so like oh you got to take the fridge out of the house how the fuck is he and his two kids going to do that how are they going to get to roosevelt island like with all of their belongings I'm sure that was questions that the safeties were like asking, or whatever. I don't know. I don't want to sound too much like Greg here, but it mirrors that. Much. The best scene for me is he works. He's a protectionist, yeah. and he's got to go pick up his kids from school because he forgets what he forgets. He has to work or something like that. He forgets he's mm-hmm. booked into work. He mm-hmm. can't get off work, so he puts a reel on. What's that? 18 minutes has to like run to the school, pick up his kids, and then come back before
1: changing the reel, yeah. like in time to change the reel. And it's like a real heroic like, action as well, like the way he like, carries it out and the way they present it. Yeah. But when he life gets life. to the school, the, he's obviously getting a bollocking from everyone as well, so this is like the tension, you know.
0: I just like how they link film. Film is life for the Safties, clearly. They're massive cinephiles, and in that specific moment, it literally is. Because if he doesn't get back, yeah. then those cinema people, their experience is going to be ruined. Because these fucking kids. <laughs> Compared to marriage story, a film where like you're encouraged to like loathe the kid. Lee Ronaldo from Sonic Youth Kids in this film, they're so lovely, man. Yeah. They're so likable. Vo- they're Very, so like wide eyed, like Yeah. But it's naturalistic acting, you know, it's not child acting. Yeah. It's not Shane. Which is great.
1: Yeah. For sure. I feel yeah. They always seem to get like a really good response from their from their actors, you know? Yeah. And non- um, I feel like Daddy Longlegs. Well, no, I was going to say I feel like it's my favorite, but every time I think of them, they come out in a different order, which is obviously testament to the quality of their filmmaking.
0: Like the films of 2019. (laughs) Yeah. It is mad how much Louis C.K. ripped off so much of his TV show from sequences. And this. Mm. I said it to you, that was like the first thing I said to you, like before you watched it. I was like, you've seen Louis, right? Mm.
1: This was when it cut, 2008. Um, Yeah, this film came out before
0: came out way before he definitely saw it mm. there's no I mean it's the fucking premise of his TV show
1: mm. Mm. from um, the soundtrack as well like yeah. the like whimsicality
0: and certain um, and sequences in the film are like lifted except he didn't get robbed by Abel Ferrara oh my god that scene
1: is mental
0: cameo yeah, obviously crazy. also a huge influence bad lieutenant king of New York mm. big New York filmmaker mm. and then yeah you in their first actual film, playing like very much with type mm. as a Kraken. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh my god! You like Bill Withers? Fucking <laughs> but there are no CDs here. Oh, it's actually a crazy scene.
0: There's so many beautiful moments in both in both the films we just talked about. Yeah. It's like also the structure is made up of beautiful moments, but has this like survivalist, mm. just like existing. I mean, New York is a stressful place to be. Yeah, and they convey
1: that very clearly. All right, for our penultimate instalment in this, uh, (laughs) what has it even been? A retrospective. It's a retrospective (laughs) (laughs) Um, of the Sabbath Brothers' filmography. We're going to be talking about their twenty fourteen picture. Heaven knows what. I watched this for the first time the other day at yours in the an afternoon and oh god, it's an extremely challenging film really and it has a really interesting production history as well. Um, so I might start with that actually and then we can like talk about it as a film. Mm-hmm. So basically they met, um, do you recall her name, Ari- Harry? Ariel Holmes? Um, they met her in like New York while they were developing Uncut Gems in like... 2008 or whatever and um she was working like in the diamond district and um they saw that she had star power (laughs) so they've um like basically she was like a had a history of like bad drug abuse homelessness um and just like you know having an extremely peripheral marginal oppressed existence they encouraged her to write a memoir which remains unpublished but was the foundation of this film is that right yeah i think they like commissioned her to to write it or something you know to relive Uh, her trauma (laughs) yeah and um she literally does that in this film because she plays herself um it's like 1517 to paris yeah i was actually watching an interview of them um talking about this film like when it came out and they were like it's a new sort of film (laughs) like you know it's like a psychodrama but also it's like um, you know it's like a non-fiction drama yeah. or whatever but you know that was before like the yeah character. exactly I don't um, think Clint saw Heaven Knows <laughs> yeah but honestly this film is it's yeah it's really hard to watch the first the opening sequence um, really sets the tone where she um, visits her like sort of abusive partner in a library where he's like always there just like listening to Burzum on the on the computer no but read the lyrics man <laughs> um that library's probably closed now honestly just this this scene sets the parameters for their um you know rela- their like toxic relationship yeah, or whatever yeah um, he's played by um caleb landry jones who's yeah. fantastic who's um in like three billboards and
0: he's in twin peaks the return playing yeah. the drug dealer character
1: yeah so it's, again it's like an interesting mix of like professional and non-professional actors mm. um and i get
0: lived and cinematic experience yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. It's just a truly harrowing film, which, um, you know, in the same way that the pleasure of being robbed, like, follows, like, a klepto and, like, it's, like, light and inconsequential, this film feels, like, heavily weighed down by the consequences of existences, interactions. It's a really, yeah, it's a really hard film to watch. And the fact she's playing herself is crazy.
0: She cuts her wrists in Tompkins Square in the second scene. Yeah. I mean, it's
1: the first scene that's, like, pre-opening credits.
0: Yeah, of course. It's the fucking opening credits, yeah. Oh, it's very similar to Good Time, actually. Because over the opening credits, when she's, like,
1: in the ward, and then she just gets into a fight with another... Yeah, that's mad. And it's all, like... You can't hear got it this. Pu- yeah, and it's got this, like, pulsating electronic soundtrack over it, and it's, like, you're trapped, like, in a, like, psychic place or whatever. And... Yeah. Instead of, um, before they got uh 10 Tricks Point never involved.
0: They uh the soundtrack is largely based off of uh it's Altometer's classic record, I can't remember what it's called, uh Snowflakes are falling or whatever, that, mm. that album, yeah. The Claire de Lune mm. um, It has a very similar effect. That was like very
1: famous in the seventies in like a tubular bells. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And it also has music by Aerial Pink, like super dark aerial pink, um extra dark aerial pink, you yeah. know, like not Films, not haunted like, graffiti. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, yeah, not like the um, round and round. Yeah, like <laughs> um, he's actually in it as well, isn't he? He's like a, like he's like an extra. Like I don't know, Hendrix, like where she just plays like you just like see her like once or twice like yeah, yeah, in the yeah, background. Yeah. <laughs> Again, like it's a mood piece. It's just about like yeah, how are you gonna buy
0: that next bottle? How are you gonna buy that next
1: dope? Has one of my favorite scenes. In the Safdie filmography, where um, like really in the midst of like a lot of like terrible things having happened, and she's like sitting on road, like been sent out begging basically, and um, like a Orthodox Jew like kneels down and he's like, "Are you high?" And she's like, "No." Oh, and he's like, gives her some money. He's like, "Get you know, like come on!" <laughs> it's a mad scene. And he's just like like an act of charity or whatever, Beautiful and woman. like it's just all about these, like, little character moments, like, and...
0: I just love the the use of public space, you know, like, it all takes place in, like, White Castle, or, like, just the park, or, like, the library, you know, and the managers always get involved, They're, like, I know what you're doing in the bathroom, da-da-da, like, in terms of Verite Cinemas, this is probably the best of theirs for that, in terms of, like, feeling like it really, really takes place in the real world, and this is, like, Lower Manhattan, you know, it's, like, there's other kinds of people walking around. I said, like, Oh, it's mad
1: how they managed to shoot without any NYU students in there, you know. It's so marginal, you know. Just the whole film is harrowing. It has an extremely harrowing ending. Probably one of its biggest, like, creative liberties because...
0: That didn't happen. That didn't life. happen. But no, this scene uh, is, uh, like, is
1: this... shocking, actually. Well, no, it's
0: funny because they're watching Hellraiser on the TV
1: yeah. beforehand, right?
0: And then it, it happens in real life, you know? Like, or Raiders of the Lost Ark or whatever. And the way they portray it is, like... I was saying Uncut Gems has like ridiculous genre elements, but like that in the middle of this film or at the end of this film is so disturbing, I think, even though it's fucking stupid. I guess
1: because, as you said, like it draws so heavily on like the principles of verite cinema that when like a wax face is like melting, (laughs) like it's so jarring (laughs) and shocking. Ridiculously so, but a very, very genius thing
0: to put in that film it was dedicated to this is the kicker, you know, like the whole film, you're like, Oh God, her boyfriend is such awful, awful man. Mm -hmm. Even though obviously they're like, they've all got a terrible disease and like that they can't handle any sort of responsibility Mm -hmm. or whatever, like normal shit. But then the dedication at the end of the
1: film in um, loving memory of, I think the fact that he's listening to Burzum as well. And like, he's, he's like a bit of a fascist, but like, you know, they are humanistic filmmakers, I think, and, like, this is something that, like, individual problems or, like, character deficits or whatever are overcome through this, like, pathos and appreciation for, like, common humour. For sure. I'm nodding my head
0: and I look like I'm about to cry. (laughs) Yeah. Um, This was the first Safdie Brothers film I saw. I saw it kind of, like, when it came out. I was like, oh, never watching one of their films again. That was horrible, but... Watching it as part of their filmography, I guess it marks a break between, like, the niceness with, like, a moment of absolute horror in Daddy Longlegs and, like, a horror film with, like, a couple of moments of grace mm. in this film. Mm. I can understand why it was sensational, even though you were saying,
1: like, a lot of people seem to hate this film. I feel like it obviously resounds with people that have um, a background in, like, opiate usage as mm. well, and it obviously sort of gets to the crux of the matter in, like, a very affecting and profound way. Cop,
0: shoot, cop. Your whole life is, like, centred around the next hit.
1: One other thing we should talk about in this film is the performance of um, Buddy Duress. My
0: fucking guy. Um, yeah. My favourite like, actor of all time.
1: So, I guess there are, like, three central performances in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, the lead performance, um, the, like, abusive boyfriend, and then and then this other one, this other guy who's, like... I mean, he... I don't know. The, it almost seems like the parameters of, like, bad relationships need to be like modulated in the context in which they're represented because because, everyone's on heroin yeah and like they're all homeless and like everyone's like on the edge of like
0: (laughs) i mean this guy's making money he buys like
1: yeah yeah. As opposed he's a shot yeah
0: yeah but when the guy walks into the bar in the pleasure of being robbed he's like i'm buying drinks for everyone he's like oh wait no i don't have enough money there's way (laughs) too many people in here but um body dress yeah i mean he's a heroin dealer
1: there's a scene in White Castle where, yeah, in opposition to that, he gets up and, like, is like, they're being told to leave because they're shooting up in the bathroom. And he's, like, who in here wants to eat? And then he's, like, oh, i have... And he's, like, pushing the cash out of his hand for, like, the, like cheese... Mozzarella sliders yeah. or whatever, <laughs> like... <laughs> um, it does have
0: light moments. And he does, a, he shoulders a lot of that, I think, even mm-hmm. though he plays obviously a very sad character as sad as the other two. it's just fucking entertaining, you know, he's mm. just like...
1: Yeah, he's yeah, a great yeah. present. Yeah,
0: I um, see. And um, the, the only way that Uncut Gems managed to fill the body duress gap is by having that Adam Sandler performance in it, which is mm. a bit like a more grown up version of the body mm. duress character in mm. a way. Just like fucking loud mouth, you know, like annoying ass, but like... Can't take your eyes off him, you know? Yeah.
1: Like, <laughs> and, like, he has a monologue that goes over the end credits of this film. Like, he's, like, <laughs> where he's just, like, st- proselytizing and, <laughs> and, like... <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: It's also got the rapper Necro in it, who's also in Good Time. He's also called Ron Bronstein, but yeah. spelled differently. I don't really like his raps, but he's he plays a really nice character. I guess he's the only character who's not on heroin in the film.
1: But I was sort of confused, because I thought he was, like, a... Like a sort of shotter enabler character. Definitely
0: an enabler, yeah. But he's not on heroin, I think that's the difference Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. Again, like these films just are all about like the milieu as well. And like there's a scene where, like, is is it Buddy Jurassic's character's mum that they're living with? Or is it just like a sort of like bougie, arty patron who's like permissively, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, they just show like such an interesting like sweep it's of new York society it's so interesting like, in the like palatial Soho apartment yeah. or whatever you know, and that's it's
0: believable New York is such an unbelievable place yeah. like. when
1: she's like, "Oh, they're in the bathroom, and they've shut the door for some reason yeah, 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 <laughs> like yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I
0: mean these films all take place in the same like extended universe yeah, aka yeah. the real yeah. world you know yeah. and they could all be taking place at the same time
1: mm.
0: uncut Gems set in two thousand and twelve this film was made in what Twenty thirteen or something like that.
1: Yeah, but I guess it's also like this isn't my meant like, to be set like this isn't my like ending explained. Like, yeah, <laughs> saying, like, they're great. Yeah, New yeah. York filmmakers. Yeah, like very self. I didn't. I wasn't
0: really looking forward to watching Heaven Knows What again, but
1: we soldiered through. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay, a real.
0: Yeah. It's a really great film. Like maybe my least favorite of these. Maybe the
1: one I'm gonna watch, the least frequently. Definitely worth watching. though. if yes. you appreciate. it. Uncut gems or the one we're gonna talk about uh.
0: It's the same story, so just some survival yeah. pressure, pressure, oh god no, Ice Age voice, you know, like it's that. And they still have they got the energy scam, the five hour energy shot scam. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. Such the, a
1: specific uh, hustle as well. The <laughs> Coca Cola product placement. Yeah. Yeah. So bait yeah, like genius. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have the same in um the pleasure of being robbed. So then, yeah Whereas you know just like a, ago, like a freeze frame of someone like having a glug one final
0: final thing about heaven knows what Sean Price Williams mm. I think he's an amazing cinematographer um, obviously the Safdies work in collaboration with everyone who works in their films like to a high degree to elevate the mise-en-scene however this collaboration I think he did Frownland. yeah his first
1: one was heaven knows what and then he did good time um, he also worked on Her Smell,
0: Listen Up Philip*, Lo- loads of brilliant films, really fantastic visual stylists. Um, the way they shoot Ariel, often from across the street, really far away with these really, really like fragile zooms. You know, when people walk in or if like, you know, you've got to hold that shit really, really steady. And I think that's like a really important facet. Obviously, they, moved, they didn't move past him, but I think his work on heaven knows what and good time is some of the best
1: yeah for sure i mean um the sense that it achieved in both of these films is like insane and the i guess the sort of sense of claustrophobia within an open space maybe um which is like really really mad (laughs) and like it's a really dynamic as well because like there's always motion in the frame even if like of like the like out of focus shoulders of passers-by and stuff like that like it's just so sick and that's in Uncut Gems as well mm, constructed just on the technical level like it's like extremely accomplished filmmaking and also you know I haven't seen um, many of the Alex I've literally only seen Her Smell Um, but like Um, the cinematography in that is like it's mad and that like sense of like I mean that's an extremely dynamic film which like focuses very much though on like Lead performer yeah. being um, Elizabeth Moss um, and like cinematography that complements a mental state, right? Like, is um, something to be lauded, you know. And I think like that's something that's definitely achieved in this.
0: Should we get on to uh, the film from the logo? you've looked at the film Gray's logo and like, what? <laughs> who's that man from the F? <laughs> By the way, the G is John Crawford from Sudden Fear. Mm. Because I love John Crawford, and I said I'm not doing a podcast unless John Crawford. <laughs> <laughs> it's good time, man. I watched it on my phone the other day on the tube, and fuck me, what an experience that was—the first <laughs> film to watch on my phone. But oh, uh, now,
1: did uh, you see it in the cinema?
0: Yeah, I saw it in the studio of the BFI. Oh. Perfect, like a tiny room, massive screen.
1: I've only had home viewings, unfortunately, but it certainly has not taken away from like the cinematic scope of the the film how I could think. it yeah um
0: rob pattinson plays constantin a dodgy guy yeah. a, a classic safety protagonist um I, there's not there's not really much to say about who he is or what he does because that's just not important at all this film play, takes place over 24 hours he wants to make some money so he gets his brother out of his
1: like a counseling or session yeah or like a like therapy program yeah. or whatever his brother performed by Benny Safdie yeah. um, in like a, a really astonishing performance where he plays like, I, I don't know, a guy, a guy with some form of disability. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: But um, so far away from a typical Adam Sandler performance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, like... It might not be. I mean, it's weird, but like, this is the director of the film acting for the first time. It's a strange role, but... And he's only in two or three scenes
1: sort of bookmarks the film oh my god but both scenes he's in or all the scenes like it's just such I guess like he's meant to like have like emotional difficulties right as a result of them being potentially
0: abused by the grandma yeah, yeah
1: definitely but like he's like really like stone faced but like still conveys like so much like history and emotion like in the first scene like where he's like in the session with this like practitioner He's or doing, whatever like, a raw shot test or yeah something. and then it's yeah it's like a word association thing and then he just like a, a tear like starts like oh. rolling down his face and like Fuck. it's just oh my god and then and then R Pat's busts into the room and he's like, What did I tell you about coming in? Like, come on, get out of here. Hey man, you don't to- stop talking to my brother man And then like that's the rest of the film, yeah, like it's yeah, yeah, <laughs> just like yeah, yeah. the adventure starts. <laughs> right, right. Um so
0: they put on <laughs> put on two masks and uh like have a botched robbery or a successful yeah. robbery. Although there is a moment of hubris that probably fucks up their whole shit. Um when, when they're like go and get more. Yeah. Yeah um and then yeah they get off with the money um uh, but the sensational cinematic moment because it's been really gray up until that point right and then the the pink dye
1: yeah it's like planted by the bank clerk to like g- mark the the robbers or whatever yeah and they're in it's the like back of smart, the taxi like a... again the,
0: the sound design is fucking going crazy you hear the sirens going in and out as you're just like watching their faces and then like you hear the like
1: Oh my god, it's psychology. just so intense for like the rest of the film. Yeah, from that point um, onwards, it's just non stop. Yeah. Um,
0: it's got my favourite twist. I don't necessarily need to reveal what the twist is if you haven't seen this wonderful film. I'm sure most people have seen it. It's a really good time, you know, it's a very incongruous title. All their titles are like mm. slightly like, oh, I wouldn't have thought of that title for that film. Mm. But especially this one. It's a line of dialogue at the end. Apparently, you said.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna. Yeah, it's like, again, the doctor says it to the to the uh, to Benny Safdie's character. He's like, "You're gonna have a real good time here." Oh, like, yeah, and at that last scene. Oh my god, it breaks me.
0: <laughs> after everything, <laughs> after everything else you've been through, and then you return to him, and it's just with the way that the story is interrupted by like seeing it on TV, mm. seeing the reports. Mm. Um, I'm not going to describe the whole plot, but like duh, 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 It's you, a thriller, you know, it's like a thriller. A, it's like a, it's yeah. a proper genre film. like. Yeah. Um, one film that really, both this and good time the both this and Uncut Gems really remind me of was uh, night in the city by Jules Dassin, where you just have like a total fraud character just scamming everyone left right and centre just to survive and that's like the propulsion of the film Uh Night in the City please watch that it's amazing it's got Richard Widmark who's like probably was a bit of an influence for Robert Pattinson's performance in this just because the sort of the way he holds his face and shit he mm. looks fucking dodgy and we're talking about mm. such shifty look um, yeah and like, we talk about Robert Pattinson you know?
1: yeah uh, I mean this film is really instrumental in like his emergence as like a more of like a art film guy you know um, did you say that Cosmopolis like, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, watched. I watched that on iPlayer you know did you hate it uh, it was okay yeah I haven't read the, the Deliver book
0: love Deliver I love I love Cosmopolis yeah, it was okay yeah. um, but he's always picked interesting roles yeah he won Best Actor at can for this.
1: Really? Yeah. 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 Deservedly so. I mean, it's very much like a pro- like a lead performance. Yeah. Like. Um,
0: Again, there's this. Uh, there's this like crazy mix of like determination and like, oh, you have like some sort of like. He talks about my purpose or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. the fuck that is. Like, I don't know what his purpose is. If it's to rob a bank and like move his, they're gonna go to Alaska or whatever, right? I don't, I don't remember. It doesn't that, fucking yeah. matter. Like, yeah, you know,
1: they're like, just like. You know, it's about like fraternity and like they're trying yeah. to like make it better, but like through like futile and stupid ways. Right, right.
0: There's no gem, there's no. no like mystical orb that's telling no. them to like make bad decisions mm-hmm. in this film. This is just like one thing leads to another. It's all reactive. It's all like, oh shit, what am I gonna do now? Oh, the the my girlfriend's mom's credit card didn't work for the bail
1: bonds. What the fuck am I gonna do now? Like. That Jennifer scene. Jason Leigh as well, yeah. Great actress. Yeah, I've got like she's literally in it for like one scene though, isn't yeah. she? She's quite high on the billing, though. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. well, that's this is what I was saying. Like I re- I rewatched it for, the... Um, yeah, I rewatched it like in preparation for this, um, and I clocked that she was in it like.
0: She's and twice, I sort
1: of forgot she was in it. She's twice Robert
0: Pattinson's age, and they don't necessarily feel like that kind of couple. Well, no, I, don't, I mean
1: she's
0: playing like a seemingly. A, a, significantly younger character or whatever. And that's it's a great performance, you know. And she just gets fully left behind. Like, the the film can't contain her. It just, like, carries the fuck on and moves on to this, like, 15-year-old Haitian girl.
1: Yeah, this is mental, yeah. Really, actually, like, quite a problematic scene. But, I mean, like, it's meant Mm -hmm. to be a problematic character. So, like, I think it's more of... This film is kind of structured around instances of
0: that, I think. Mm -hmm. This is a big talking point when it came out. I do want to know what was in her grandma's fridge with all the like potions in there or whatever but you know when she opens the oh, fridge No there's that. loads of potions and shit it's really weird it's like Damn. Yeah, yeah 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 But this is a film a lot of people interpreted to be about white privilege, right? You know, like they are like Robert Pattinson's character is like he the scummy. But in a good way. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he also like survives by like putting on a mask of a black character, yeah. like flirting with this like underage Haitian girl and like using her phone and like hiding out in her house mm-hmm.
1: and then like the Barkad Apti character Oh yeah this is, is horrible, God. that's actually horrible
0: But that's like, these are the When,
1: when they the get hit, they it. like pour like a quarter of a bottle of liquid LSD down mm-hmm. his throat like in a like horror mm-hmm. ride or whatever but not
0: even that, he's the one who gets arrested
1: Yeah 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 But to be fair they'd taken off his security uniform like yeah, but like so like he and Robert Pattinson's character like puts on his but structural like these... fuckery or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they're like I think it's a really interesting element in the film. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. We've
0: also got yeah, we've got the twist in the yeah. hospital, which is the Beth twist. Like yeah. to say what the oh, twist God. is, but I I'm also gonna say we've got body duress
1: in this film. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um and like it's a really from. Really classic performance, and again, just like a marginal character who's like like Robert Pattinson's character, just like yeah. trying to hustle and like he's is grifter, is yeah. misguided. <laughs> um, he's, yeah, he's, he's got a whole life.: to the They can make a whole film
0: about his yeah. his life, but as soon as he starts talking... It's just, it's just fucking hilarious. You know, he's like, I was so fucked up, on I yeah. got out of jail. Oh, there's a
1: great flashback scene with like the Pepe acid tabs. Oh, and, like, the
0: Pepe acid tab. And um, that was before the, 20th, yeah. they shot all that shit before the 2016 yeah. election, but it can't yeah. help but feel like yeah, 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 crazy for sure. some crazy subversive, yeah. like Altman-esque yeah. iconoclasm moment.
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Um, And he's had his whole crazy night before that as well, having yeah. just got out of jail. That sequence is the editing yeah. The cross cutting, the way he's telling the story, with no, diegetic dialogue or whatever. Like he's, ju- you just got him narrating it. And it's like fifteen minutes long. Or Maybe it's not that long. My whole time. Oh, like, yeah, film.
1: for sure. It actually is way shorter than that. But like, it feels like a significant moment in the film. That's yeah. what the
0: whole film is like for me. I thought when I first watched it, I thought the whole second half of the film took place in the apartment because of the way it slows down. Mm-hmm. When they they don't slow it down, but they like close it off and condense it in such a way that. when you're used to like this kind of editing this kind of thing happening this kind of scene length is so jarring
1: Mm. just in terms of the filmmaking as well Mm. like the um, good Timers marks potentially a bit of a departure from like the size of production as well and like there are a lot of like helicopter shots and stuff like that which um, but they still maintain whilst using these like larger scale techniques potentially like a very clear sensibility, and you know that's achieved of the editing and the writing as well. But it's like, another uh, marriage story. Form and content. Um, <laughs>
0: Good time is a classic. I think if you haven't watched it, like why are you like? Come on, like it's one of the best films to come out.
1: Yeah, it's like a wild ride, and. It, it's so entertaining, so easily accessible as well. It's got a lot to say. I guess it was a lot of people's introduction to the safety filmography. Yeah, it was mine, yeah. Yeah.
0: And how could you not be like, Wow, these guys, I haven't seen this before? Like mm. it's a voice. Yeah. Necro again, good performance. body <laughs> duress I just can't sing his praises highly enough. Mm. You know?
1: I mean, I feel, I feel like these are literally, uh, maybe he's been in on one more film. He's in like a film
0: by the guy who made the comedy and the entertainment. I can't remember what it's called. I can't remember what that guy's called. Mm. Anything more about Good Time? We've only done 16 minutes on Good Time. So. <sighs> Pattinson, we're not recording this one in my house, but I fucking stand a king. dude. <laughs> what an <laughs> yeah. actor.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just so different to like, you know. He's literally playing like a ratchet dude, and like, yeah. there's no like, no boarding school accent whatsoever. It's really, it's a really good performance. Yeah, it's a really, and really yeah. good film. Yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> <Fuck> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, we, yeah, we've uh, ran through all of them. Apart from Lenincook the documentary, which neither of us have seen. But you know, when we do part two, uh, we'll make sure we've seen it by then. Yeah, way. when they make their next their next film. That's yeah. that an island film? Excellent filmmakers. Yeah, is there anything you wanna revisit about Uncut Gems? I feel like there's just so much it's to say be. that like there's so many just little bits that we I just wanna say bits about it. last <laughs> like... scene the when
0: when the weekend asked for the black light to come on is just... <laughs> moment yeah.
1: when he says he's not going to start performing until it comes up. He was already huge at the time. I think when um, Kevin Garnett's like having an interview, like an encore interview at the end, and he's like, "Oh, I couldn't have done it without the Rock." My like... God, <laughs> yeah. uh, Garnett, I can't sing
0: his praises highly mm. enough. Actually, obviously they cast him because he's Kevin Garnett and he's playing himself, like Ariel Holmes is or whatever
1: must have been a mental film to act in, though, like as a... He's only in a few scenes, but he's a yeah. towering presence. In yeah, the film. yeah, definitely. Um,
0: the cameos, you know, we've got the guy, it's like, this guy was
1: in good times. You know, <laughs> um, Tilda Swinton as an auctioneer. Yeah, on the, Natasha Jones the in the there somewhere as well, apparently. Yeah, I didn't I clock that,
0: yeah, but... There's a lot of this insidery New York stuff, I think, to the Safdies, be it, you know, we mentioned it before. Mm. New York, you know, I couldn't think of, two better people to fly the flag better than fucking Baumbach (laughs) yeah
1: fuck that it's just such a broad sweep of New York life that they're representing and I'm sure that's going to continue in like surprising and Mm. illuminating ways you know I saw a jokes tweet actually where it's like Howie and then Lando Calrissian side by side and they're wearing the same um, outfit I don't know if it was like a conscious homage Lando and what? Uh-huh.
0: in in Empire Strikes Back or in where Solo? he's wearing
1: oh. no 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 wait I, in fact I think they reprise his iconic outfit in Solo <laughs> 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 but no it's like he's wearing like a like really big lapeled jacket mm. and then like a yellow shirt with like black banding and it's like the exact same So hey, you want a new shirt this is I Gucci
0: it's $500 Let's give it to you right now yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh um, my God. Y- Yossi is a real jeweler <laughs> you can follow him on Instagram if you haven't seen it already go see it, if you've seen it already just go see it again I don't know. I'm going to watch that show on Netflix yeah like, bah, bah, like, yeah. as soon as it's on Netty I'm going to rewatch it like. it's a good time um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I love the Safdie Brothers I mean they've been on every fucking podcast and every publication Like,
1: and they've said something different they haven't been doing yeah. a press junket they've mm. just been telling all their crazy mm. stories like you know since like September or whenever, um, premiered, yeah, uh, it, um, like there's just been such a huge outpouring of, um, like interviews yeah. and like real deep dives. And like, it was so hard for me not to watch these until I'd z- z- seen <laughs> Uncut Gems that I didn't want to ruin it for myself, but yeah. you know, well, it's a treasure trove really, those guys yeah, are yeah, great I raconteurs, mean, you know, more,
0: more Josh than ben yeah. too, but yeah, I mean, they're they're, a nice they're one, born yeah. storytellers though. And, so let's just shout out Bronstein as well because he yeah, click really, like yeah. Yeah. what did it say in Little White Lies that he he edits the like b- the human moments or whatever and then he edits the action scenes or yeah whatever. I mean what both, does that say like, both are breathtakingly yeah. edited <laughs> uh, edited
1: with the same nuance and yeah. sensitivity yeah you know, to the moment whatever that may be absolutely right. Proud yeah. Man's a classic. yeah I can't wait to watch that one I was annoyed not to watch it but Daddy Long Legs like again like Obviously, he's bringing, like, that filmmaking sensibility to his performance, and it's really excellent. Yeah, yeah shouts out, Ronnie.
0: They're real cinephiles, you know, they live in the city of the Anthology Film Archives, like, they have, they're some of the few people that, like, really relish the opportunity just, like, drink in cinema, mm. and appreciate and mm. they do it really well, mm. I think. I love the Safdie brothers. Yeah. They should have been nominated for Best Director, but I guess Oscar <laughs> doesn't like to reward two people for one. <laughs> yeah. <of them. laughs>
1: Yeah, that, that maybe that's why. Um, maybe that's why. <laughs>